Hey, fellow marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by themarketinghealth.co, your number one resource for proactively advancing your marketing career. So uh, as we start here, quick thank you to our premium sponsor, LinkedIn Learning. Listen, now's your time for upskilling, uh, whether it's you want to learn more about SEO, social selling, personal branding, head on over to themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn Learning. And you're going to find a curated list of videos, courses, focused on all the marketing skills that that matter. Uh, So we've done all the hard work for you. Uh, Definitely check out those foundations courses. They are a great place to start uh, if you're looking to learn more about specific skills. So again, themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn learning. All right. So we are in our mini series focused on hiring and onboarding your best marketing team. Now, part one talked about, you know, preparing, uh, getting ready for that process. In this episode, part two, uh, I want to focus more on how to prepare for finding and hiring the right marketing talent. Now, there's going to be three steps that we talk about when it comes to filling those marketing roles that you identified now that you've done your team audit. And we want to make sure they're going to find the A talent. And after this episode, I think you'll feel more uh, prepared to do an efficient uh, process when it comes to finding and hiring uh, your next A-level talent for your marketing position. So we're going to cover three areas. One is going to be the business case. Two is going to be the job description. Three is going to be the interview process. So these are three areas we feel that um, are, are are necessary to focus on to make sure that you put yourself in the best position to bring on the A talent. Now, we're going to dig a little deeper in each of these sections. So before I get into the details here, guys, just things to keep in mind, uh, just a call out here that the show notes are going to be chock full of some great resources. You'll hear me reference a lot of different templates and frameworks and things like that. Uh, But I'm going to include some links, some helpful links in the show notes. So just make sure you check those out. So um, hiring, uh, finding and hiring the talent. So the, the first section, right? The first thing to focus on is the business case, building the case for the new marketing team hire. So listen, some of you, this might be a requirement, some it may not be. So let's start with those. If this is a requirement for you, your, your boss, your manager, the C-level, love to hire new talent. Now that we've identified, we need to fill this position, this position, give me a business case. Um, so if this is a requirement, build a business case as to why you want to fill that position. Uh, this is a good thing to do because it's going to show that you know how to think strategically uh, for your manager, for your manager's manager. And you realize that, listen, this is a business, right? When it comes to filling seats or filling job recs with talent, it's more than just saying that you want it. You've got to think through some other steps here uh, before investing those those uh, dollars and the time and money tied to that, Um So the business case elements, if you need to build the business case for hiring that marketing position, here are the four things you should be focusing on. One is you want to outline the common objections. Um, Think about it. You know, think through what your boss and boss's boss will tell you uh, reasons why not, right? So things like, do you really need the role? Uh, Can someone else do the work? So have answers to those questions as kind of step one, because that way you've identified common objections and you have answers for them. The second is just identifying current workload. Uh, who's overworked, right? Everyone's busy, everyone's overworked in our own minds, but you know, maybe go a level deeper 
and focus in on uh, tracking hours. Make sure that there's a case there that someone actually is expected to work 40, 50 hours is working 60, 70 true hours, thus requiring this position. Third, focus on, um, you know, kind of focus on the what's at stake if this role is not filled, right? Paint a picture for your manager. This shows how well you can, um, how you can do some, some little bit of internal selling here. Figure out what's at stake if this role is not filled. If this role is not filled, we'll miss out on what opportunities, what's not going to get completed. Uh, what, what are we going to miss as it relates to the marketplace that competitors might already be focused on? So, you know, focusing on what's at stake is, is a effective way to really just build the, and support the business case that these positions need to be filled. And then last and most importantly, when it comes to a business case is what's the revenue impact? If this position is filled, then the direct or indirect impact to the role will be what? Forecasts are okay. Estimates are okay. In some cases, you may have a little bit more of a tangible, like I said, direct impact and direct uh, quantifiable number. But always focus on that revenue impact so that your manager, manager's manager, knows that you know that you know we're not just hiring people to sit and, and uh, collect checks here. We, we need, we're hiring positions that are going to move the business, move the client's business. So those are the business case elements. Now, listen, if you don't have a business case requirement, meaning your boss has already bought into the fact we need to hire that social media manager, we need to hire that paid search specialist, if they're already bought in, guess what? It still makes sense to go through those business case elements I just talked about. Why? Because think about it. That level of detail tied to the purpose of this role is going to be huge so that everyone's on the same page as what's expected for this position. Uh, so think you could be sharing that with your other team members that support this position. You could share this with the new hire when you bring them on board and you can say, hey, for your position, I know we covered some of this in the interview, but this is the business case for your role. Talk about accountability, talk about transparency. Uh, still a great thing to put together, even if uh, your, your managers don't require it. So that's the business case, right? You got that figured out, things to look for, things to document when it comes to filling that marketing role. Now, second is building the job description. So think about marketing positions and those job descriptions. Gosh, I mean, <laughs> um, it's interesting when, you know, helping a lot of students get hired, a lot of associates get hired, even VP uh, level individuals get hired. You look at some of these job descriptions for marketing positions and it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder if anybody was thinking through what it's like on the other side for the candidates, because job descriptions um, are interesting. Because when you think about it, the number one objective of your job description is to create something that describes an environment that you want somebody to apply to. Um, think about it. Um, how many times in these job descriptions have you seen things like only serious Candidates need to apply. Only apply if you have this experience. I get that those are there to try to weed out candidates that may not be a fit, but there are other things you can do in your job description to really make sure you're going to be attracting A players. Let me go into some of these. So for the job description, here's what you don't want to do. Let's try not to write a book. Let's try not to write paragraphs and paragraphs of just repeating the same thing. If you, if you think about a job description, there's really probably three or four elements that are that are necessary that can uh, paint the picture for that candidate. So don't make it a book. Keep it succinct. Uh, let's try not to look for unicorns. Listen, I'm guilty of this myself, having written tons of job descriptions for marketing positions. 
when in doubt, you include that, hey, maybe they have experience with Salesforce and they have experience with paid search and they have experience with uh, SEO. Now, what I learned from doing that is let's not look for unicorns. Let's be specific and stick to the core responsibilities. Anything that's kind of icing on the cake for a candidate in terms of their skills and abilities should come out in the interview, in the conversations that you have. Because remember, you're just looking for those core responsibilities tied to the position that you got approved based on the audit that you did to identify what you need. Um, Other things to do for this job description, you definitely want to use it as a um, things you can put in there to filter and make sure that true, you know, candidates that are interested truly are applying. Um, One thing I've seen that, that is effective is making sure that they've read the entire description is somewhere in that description. You say when applying for this position, use a marketing job in the subject line or some some cue or some keyword uh, so that you can see who actually is good at following directions. Now, this is key for these detail-oriented positions. Uh, nothing says I'm not detail-oriented like I can't follow directions that I should have read in a job description. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is, and I've seen this uh, done effectively and not so effectively uh, from various companies. Agencies seem to, ad agencies seem to do a okay job of painting the best picture for the candidate. And what I mean here is you definitely want to focus the job description on them, the candidate, not on you, the business. Paint the picture that, that identifies the benefits to the applicant, the benefits to the candidate. Remember, you want to, uh, a, a you want to um, have candidates applying to this job that really want the job. So, for example, what you, you could put in this job description is focus on the benefits, like, you know, you're going to be challenged. It's an opportunity to develop your T-shape. Um, it's an opportunity for you to connect with subject matter experts on a daily basis. It's an opportunity for you to make a difference in, the, in a small business's life or um, in, in day-to-day lives of consumers. Focus it on them. Focus it on them. Um, You want to offer candidates enough insights on this position so that it's easier to identify the right fits. Um, So focus that that content on their benefits to them, not necessarily how great your your culture is to the point of that's all you write about. Um, Job description. What also matters is, um, I've seen this done well too, is paint the picture of what the role looks like in three months. And, you know, if you're going to have sections for your job description, call those out. In three months, your this role will look like what, what, and what. In six months, in 12 months, give some increments of time to paint the picture on what this candidate can expect this role to be doing. Because you know what? Those strong candidates always bring that question to the table during the interview where they ask, hey, what's this role going to look like in three months? You know, proactively provide this information to them. And you're going to find yourself getting some some strong candidates that are that are prepared. They know what to expect. Now, when it comes to distributing your job description, keep this in mind. The, the obvious outlets across your own media uh, assets make sense, right? You, you post in social media, you put on your website, makes sense. Don't forget to leverage your network of team members uh, because referrals are the best source of candidates, uh, especially at a peer level. So if you're hiring an associate, and you have associates on your team, encourage your associates to uh, share and leverage their networks. Marketing associates know a lot of other marketing associates. Same holds true for managers and VPs, and no matter what the level is. 
So leverage your team members to share across their specific networks. Um, guys, there just happens to be just a ton of great marketing-specific Slack communities that offer channels specific to filling marketing roles. So aside from your owned media, get inside these Slack communities like Online Geniuses and SerialMarketers.net. These are places that will be very effective in finding the right types of candidates for the positions you're looking for. Um, this is above and beyond the other things that you're doing. So keep that in mind when it comes to the job description. All right, so that's the second section, job description. Last, let's talk about the interview process, right? So you've got an approval. You've, uh, you've, You've written a very strong job description. Now it's preparing for the interview process. Now you've distributed the job description. You're getting candidates that are applying. Now the interview process, got to make sure that your process is aligning with the business case and, and the uh, skills and responsibilities that you defined in your job description. So let's break down this interview process like everything, right? First things first, figure out who's going to be part of the decision-making, right? Is it going to be just you, the manager? Is it going to be, do you have to bring in your CMO? Does the CEO have some oversight to this marketing position? Let's try to make sure that, you know, there aren't too many cooks in the kitchen here when it comes to making the decision as best as you can. So, uh, the fewer, the better when it comes to making the final decision. You're definitely going to get feedback from the team because you want to, the next thing is to make sure who's part of the process. Is it just going to be you? Is it just you and HR? Is it you and a, a couple of the team members? Remember, in the part one, we talked about the marketing audit. Anybody who's high performance, high potential may be a great candidate to bring into this interview process. So define who makes the decision, define who's going to be part of the process. That's going to help. Now, to make that debrief meeting more efficient, remember this is the, hey, let's have a meeting to talk about who we met and let's decide who we like, who we don't like, and, and talk about why. To make that entire meeting more efficient, here's what I recommend you do. For the group that you define that's part of the interview process, I want you to define three to five core questions. You want every person on that interview um, uh, cabinet to make uh, plus provide them with what is a good answer, what is a poor answer. So if you if you equip your team with this rubric, everyone's aligned when it comes to that discussion at the end. You've, you've, you've allowed your team to all ask the same questions, but also all get and have a chance to plot whether that answer was good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and imagine, again, when you have that debrief meeting, pretty straightforward when you look at all the responses from those that interviewed the candidate. And, you know, pretty quickly you can determine if everyone liked, disliked, or wasn't sure about a specific candidate. Now, when it comes to what you ask or what those three to five core questions are, really going to depend on you, the company, the position. But I encourage you to focus on experiential or behavioral questions, right? Get these candidates to talk about certain situations. Share a time when you had to multitask. What's the biggest challenge you faced when learning SEO? Uh, tell us a story when you uh, made a mistake and what did you learn from it? Those sorts of questions, there's tons of them, guys, but those are just some represent representative ones. Talk about questions that get them to talk about a situation. Talk about how they behaved. Uh, and again, those could be part of your three to five core questions. Or, or and, you can focus on questions that are aligned with their competency and their accomplishments. For example, if it's a social media manager, uh, ask them this question, Buffer or Hootsuite, which one do you prefer and why? Well, uh, you're assuming that they've used both if they're interviewing for this position. 
It's on their resume that they've used both. Get them to talk about why or why not they like each one or the other of those tools. As an example, like paid search specialists, it's it's funny because there's so many things changing inside of a Google ad platform that if you're hiring somebody for a paid search role, get them to talk about what they like most about those tools to show that they have the competency in those tools. Like what's your approach when running dynamic creative ads? I mean, let somebody talk through that. It's not the be all end all, uh, but at least gets these candidates to start talking about and showcasing their competency. Now, I mean, I've had candidates interview for roles that, uh, you know, had a great resume, but when it came to getting these sorts of behavioral questions out, it was clear that they weren't as deep uh, of a knowledge inside these uh, social media tools as they let on. So that's why we want to focus on these sorts of questions. Definitely keep it short, three to five, provide those answers in a rubric format to your team uh, as they go into these conversations. Now, you know, I've talked about, you know, tons of questions you could be asking uh, interview rubrics. If, if you want more of these examples uh, of these questions or rubrics, send me an email at connect at the uh, got a ton of them. Now, still in the interview process here. If you're the decision maker, all right, this is important for you, the, the manager or the person who's going to be making that final decision. I encourage you to establish a scorecard. So you have, as a decision maker, you have the be all end all uh, final tally, final answer. But it's hard to make it easier, establish a scorecard, but only focus it on three things. One, the the mission of the role should be identified. You know, it, it should be clearly identified. What is it? Is it doubling sales? Is it growing engagement? Is it launching new campaigns? You have to define what the mission of that role is. Then you define what the outcomes of that role are. Improving traffic, in, uh, in, improving the click-through rate, conversion rate, etc., then you identify the competencies that are required to achieve those outcomes. Um, you know, competencies that this candidate must must have. Resourceful, they, they must showcase being accountable, specific tools that they have experience with, et cetera. So this laid out for you will allow you to hone in on specific questions uh, of each of these candidates. And then in each of those sections, or I should say in terms of the competencies, uh, you're grading their ability A, B, or C. And obviously, if you, you get A across all those competencies that you're grading, uh, then you're close to finding your A player. But it, the reason you have this as a scorecard is because it, it gives you clarity. You know exactly what questions you need to be asking, what things you need to be hearing from a candidate uh, in those competencies so that you can give them a, an A grade. Um, so that's that's a scorecard you want to keep in mind. Um Lastly, when it comes to uh, interviewing, um, let's be realistic. <laughs> let's, let's be realistic. Tell the candidates what to expect in terms of your interview process. If it takes eight rounds to get somebody hired, uh, that should be the in your job description. It should be the thing that HR tells any candidate that they call back. But you definitely have to be transparent because candidates can lose interest if they feel like they're being strung along. Eight rounds for an associate position is a little bit of extreme. Again, it could provide a negative perception if you're not organized around it. So be transparent, be clear in terms of what the expectations are. Uh, there should really be in your interview process about four conversations max. Or think about it. The HR, first line of defense, has that screener call. 
Uh, they identify, you know, things that they like. Maybe they're using the same scorecard as the as the decision maker. Uh, then there's the second uh, conversation, which is with the hiring manager. You know, go deep on their career, review their background. Then the next conversation is going to be about outcomes and competencies, and that could be with the, the entire team or a representative uh, set of the team. And then lastly is references, and that's going to be done by the hiring manager. So really four conversations, four levels of conversations is probably all you need to identify your A player. So other things to keep in mind, I've seen this work effectively is, um, again, sticking with the interview process here is, is uh, behavior assessments. We have a previous episode where we talk about them, but behavior assessments aren't the BLN end-all decision makers, but they can help you identify uh, potential likelihood of success for candidates based off of their behavioral tendencies. I'm talking about things like DISC. I'm talking about predictive index. I'm talking about 16, what is it? 16 personalities, I think it is. Um, the Myers-Briggs, all these types of behavior assessments can be included as part of your process. If you want to make sure, if you want to identify another data point around how somebody behaves or, or tends to behave in certain situations, uh, there's a great site I'm going to put in the show notes where you can go access all these different sorts of tests. Um, or Sorry, they're not tests, they're assessments. You can, you can access all these as different types of assessments. Uh, and then lastly, when it comes to the interview process is the prompt, right? The most common thing in marketing roles is asking you to complete some sort of assessment tied to the competency in your role. Oh, by the way, they actually may require you to short to shoot a quick video. Uh, so that's not unlike um, a position not to ask you that. You should expect it. Um, and prompts, again, are effective ways to get candidates to showcase their competency. Can they be fake? Can someone else take them? Yeah, sure. But uh, having that opportunity with a prompt uh, can open up a great conversation during that interview process. We're talking about, when I say prompt, I'm talking about like for social media, uh, asking somebody to create um, a sample ad for a specific mock campaign. Content marketing, I've seen, you know, asking candidates to write or rewrite an existing blog post along with doing some keyword research for some on-site SEO. Uh, so again, the, the prompts are going to mirror what you're looking for in the role. So uh, what what five, 10 years ago may have felt a little bit uh, like too much to ask in an interview process, it's very common now. So if you're a candidate and you feel like, gosh, why is everyone asking me to do free work for them? Expect it because like we're saying here, it's the way that they can figure out if you're a great fit for the role. Again, it's one of the data points that they're going to be looking at. So prompts as part of the interview process, also something to consider. Now, if it feels like a lot of work to establish the right process for getting your rec filled and conducting an effective interview process, uh, well, then it should. <laughs> it should feel like a lot of work. A bad hire can cost a company tens of thousands and upwards of millions of dollars depending on the role you want to focus on bringing in a players and establishing processes using these sorts of templates and forms will help you do that. Um, so let's review, like we said, the business case, got to make sure you identified all the things tied to the importance of that role, the job description. We're not writing uh, books here. We're, we're being succinct in identifying the, the classic, uh, responsibilities for the role written for the candidate, not for the business. And the interview process, again, it's all about aligning 
the team who's interviewing the candidates so that they come back with um, uh, clear and uh, informative answers around uh, candidate competencies for the position. So, you know, I talked about a lot of templates in this episode, the business case, the job descriptions, the interview questions, the rubric, uh, questions to ask, templates that could be used. Head on over to themarketinghelp.co forward slash membership. And if you if you want access to all these types of templates, you're going to find the ability to access them there. Marketing themarketinghelp.co forward slash membership. All those things I mentioned that are part of this process, uh, you can access there. So let's hear from you guys. We want to hear from you. Leave a review on your favorite podcast player, uh, iTunes, out um, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast player, Spotify. Um, we want to hear from you. Leave a review. Uh, tell us what you like. Uh, send us an email. Connect at themarketinghelp.co. Connect at themarketinghelp.co. And that'll, bring, that'll end episode two. Episode three, our last episode of this series, is going to focus on here are some tips and to keep in mind when onboarding your new A player on your marketing team. Because now you've found that individual. You've aligned on who you want to hire. You've made the offer. They've accepted the offer. Now you're going to bring them on. And guys, this is why this episode three is going to be important is because uh, we're, we're recognizing when you're onboarding a marketing team, a player in a remote position, most likely. So there's things you want to keep in mind when onboarding something, somebody uh, in a remote context. So stay tuned for that next episode coming. And until then, I'm your host, Eric Harvison. And remember, today is a great day to advance your marketing career. <laughs>